And remember that uh, when you're dealing with the kings in uh, Second Chronicles, you're dealing with the kings who are direct descendants of David. And these descendants of David, this line of David, these kings that come from him, were to rule on behalf of God. In other words, David's descendants sitting on the throne of Judah made the kingdom of God in the earth. Uh, and I give you as an example, First uh, Chronicles twenty nine twenty two. Let me just read this to you. Uh, you can be finding Second Chronicles twenty five. But here's here's an example of David's son Solomon. It says in First Chronicles twenty nine twenty two. Uh, they made Solomon, the son of David, king and anointed him as a prince for the Lord. A prince for the Lord. And he sat on the throne of the Lord as king in the place of his father David. It actually calls David's throne the throne of the Lord because when the descendant of David, God had made a promise to David that he, that all of David's sons who sat on the throne would be his own sons. God said, I will be their father, they will be my son. That's in 2 Samuel 7. They will reign for me. Your kingdom will never have an end. This is the basis of why Jesus, who is called the son of David, is also called the son of God and sits on the throne, thus creating the kingdom in the New Testament. So these kings ruled for God. And so God would, would watch over them and deal with them and work with them and require things of them. Here you have King Amaziah. Some of the kings that I look at in First and Second Chronicles, uh, they do right, but... Uh, they don't do right with their whole life. I mean, they'll stop doing right after a while. Uh, some of the kings do right, but they don't do right with a whole heart. They're not totally devoted in doing right. And then some kings start out doing right, but they don't do right with a whole heart, and they don't do right their whole life. Amaziah is one of those kings. It says in verse 2, he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, but not with a whole heart. He, he did put to death some of those who killed his father, but he did try to follow the law of Moses, according to verse 4, when he did it. And it, it, he had a problem. Uh, uh, give me that map. He had a problem with the uh, Edomites, Idumea and the Edomites. You can see that little, that little arrow right there. And then uh, if you can make out Petra, P-E-T-R-A, right down at the bottom. Um, at this point, the northern tribes, ten tribes, had all scattered up north and left the kingdom of God in Judah. So they did not follow Amaziah. In fact, they would attack him on occasion. 
That's in the north. Now, in the south, he had these Edomites that were constantly coming up through Idumea, and they'd come up around Jerusalem, and they'd raid, and they'd, they'd pillage, and they'd kidnap. And sometimes these Edomites would, all, would even go all the way up to the north and do, uh, bother the ten tribes. Um, who are these Edomites? Well, Genesis 36 and verse 7 says that Esau, that is Edom, settled in the hill country of Seir, S-E-I-R. And this is the account of Esau, the father of the Edomites in the mountain of Seir. Well, that's who Amaziah is about to go fight. These Edomites who are descendants of Esau. Y'all remember Jacob and Esau, twins in the womb? They fought in the womb. And when they were born, they fought outside the womb. And, and uh, as time went on, the descendants of Esau, the Edomites, fought against the descendants of Jacob or Israel. So there's this constant conflict. So, he, so Amaziah has <clears throat> two enemies. One in the north, these northern tribes keep attacking. Then you've got the Edomites in the south. Well, on the east is the desert, and on the west is the Mediterranean Sea. So he's like totally hemmed in and can do nothing. He decides he's going to act militarily. So he comes up with a strategy. Let's pick it up in verse 5. Amaziah assembled the men of Judah, Second Chronicles 25, verse 5. He assembled the men of Judah and set them by their father's houses under commanders of thousands and hundreds of all Judah and Benjamin and, and counted those 20 years old and up and found they were 300,000 choice men fit for war. And verse 6, he also hired 100,000 mighty men of valor from Israel. He goes up north and hires mercenaries to come down and join him in Jerusalem to fight the Edomites. And it says that he, he paid them, in verse 6, a hundred talents of silver. A talent is about uh, a pound. So he paid them, uh, no, a talent is a hundred pounds. So he paid them like... Uh, hundreds of pounds of silver. I mean, you can see these these basketfuls of silver going up into the into the country of the northern tribes. Verse seven. But a man of God came to him and said, "O king, do not let the army of Israel go with you." That's the ten tribes. Don't let them go with you. He said, "For the Lord is not with them." They're all Ephraimites. Now Ephraim, out of those ten tribes up in the north, Ephraim was the largest and most influential, and they were the decision makers. So sometimes the northern tribes are called the Ephraimites. And, and Amaziah, the king of Judah, he goes and hires them as mercenaries to come down and fight with him. And this prophet comes to him and says, you need to send them back home. Because God's not with them. Let me give you a verse here. Psalm 78 
and verse 9, it says that the men of Ephraim, though armed with bows, turn back in the day of battle and do not keep God's covenant and refuse to live by his law. Ephraimites have two problems. One is, I mean, they come to battle, they're ready to fight, they got their armor, they got their weapons, but in battle, they tend to turn back. And you don't want that when you're in the middle of a battle. Your soldiers in mass taking off on you. They had a record, a bad reputation of being uh, people who would bail out on you when you needed them the most. That's Psalm 78, 9. And it also says, they turned back in the day of battle in verse 10 of Psalm 78, says they did not keep God's covenant and would not live by his law. So they didn't have the blessing of God on them. And they had a bad reputation for leaving you in the loop. And so the man of God comes to Amaziah and says, all these Ephraimites, these northern tribesmen, these mercenaries, he says, you do not want to go to battle with them. Thus says the Lord. Now look at the, the question that Am, Amaziah puts to the prophet in verse 9. Amaziah said to the man of God, What shall we do about the hundred talents that I've given to the army of Israel? Hey, I've already paid these guys. They're not going to give me my money back. <laughs> You know, I'm out the money. And here is a great statement I hope you will put in your archives of mental thought and leave it there the rest of your life. Here's what the prophet said concerning when, to, when obedience costs you money. Here's what he says. Verse 9, Amaziah said to the man of God, What shall we do about the hundred talents I've already given them to join with me in the battle? And the man of God answered, The Lord is able to give you much more than this. He's able to give you much more. Have you ever obeyed God and it cost you money? Here is the word of faith to you. The Lord is, if it costs you, the Lord is able to give you much more than that. If you've decided you're going to tithe, the Lord is able to give you much more than that. If you've decided you're going to go to church on Sunday and when you have the option, you're not going to work, you're going to go and worship in the public assembly and be, and communicate to friends and family and neighbors that you are a worshiper of the true God and you disavow that that wage that you would have normally received, the Lord is able to give you much more than that. Do you have a bill that's outstanding that you've neglected and haven't contacted your creditor and you, your conscience requires you to... Listen, the Lord is able to give you much more than that. He is able. And that is the word of faith. The one thing I think that is necessary when it comes to money and God is faith. Listen to Mark 10, 27. This is impossible with men, but possible with God. 
For with God, all things are possible. Now drop down in this, because I want to tell you, verse 10 says, Amaziah discharged the army that come from Ephraim and sent them home again. He, he believed the words of the prophet. He sent them all home. God's able to give me much more than this. I'll go with a lesser army, but with the blessing of God, and I'll go trusting him to give me the money back if he so pleases to do so. And he goes in, and he says in verse 11, he took courage and led his people out and went to the Valley of Salt and struck down 10,000 men of Seir on the mountain there. Now, there's a parallel passage in 2 Kings 14, verse 7. I want to read this to you. Speaking of Amaziah, it says, he was the one who defeated 10,000 Edomites. Now that's what it says here in Chronicles in verse 11 and 12. It says he defeated 10,000 Edomites in the Valley of Salt. And But here's what 2 Kings 14, 7 adds. And he captured Selah. Now, what is Selah? Selah is the capital of Edom. It it's, used to be called Petra, or it's today called Petra, but then it was called Selah. Selah, you come across that word Selah in the Psalms, and it'll, it, it means pause and think on this. Stop and think. Reflect. Well, Selah was up in these rocks. This is a literal picture of it today. This, this story is 3,000 years old. 3,000 years later, that thing was so strong, it's still standing. It looks like that in front. It is an incredible city. And it was the capital of the Edomites on Mount Seir. Today, it's called Petra, which is a Greek for rock, and it's in modern-day Jordan. But, but tourists... Visit it regularly. Uh, give me the, uh, give me the. By the way, the 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 word he in Second Kings fourteen seven it says he captured Selah and called it Jokthiel, which means in Hebrew the reward or the payback of God. <laughs> what he was able to do that no one else was able to do is. He captured the very capital of the Edomites. And this capital, let me read you a a quote from Strabo. He writes 2,000 years ago about about Selah. He says, the metropolis, this capital of the Edomites, called Jokthiel by Amaziah, and today it's called Petra, lies in a place shut in by rocks round about, but within it has abundant fountains for the supply of water and irrigation of gardens. And beyond outside, the region is mostly a desert. But during this time, the town had become a place of commerce and travel and a resort. It was a modern, it was like, it was a Middle Eastern ancient Las Vegas. And Amaziah captured it and looked at it and said, wow, look at this place. 
fountains coming out of the rocks and beauty everywhere and security. You can't penetrate this thing. And he called it Jock Thiel, the payback, the reward of God to me. Because he had obeyed God. He sent those guys back and the prophet said, God's able to give you much more than this. And he believed him and God gave him the ancient Las Vegas of the Middle Eastern world. It's a wonderful testimony on how the God is faithful. And give me the next uh, picture. Just give you some quick pictures. This is another. Uh, this is this picture is probably only three or four years old, and it's a picture of uh, Petra, modern Petra, which Amaziah captured. Give me the next one. This shows you the inside. Um, a horse and a carriage could actually come through the walls. This is all natural rock, and this whole city of Ed- uh, city of uh, ancient uh, capital of the Edomites uh, was carved right out of rock, and Amaziah took it with the help of God. You and the lesson is: if you with men, this is impossible, but not with God. If you will obey God with lesser resources than you think you'll need, you can still do greater things because faith is when you say, this is impossible but with men, but with God all things are possible. Now, Amaziah, with this great victory under his belt, in chapter 25... And verse 14, he does what can only be described as one of the stupidest things that I have ever read. He's just defeated the Edomites with the blessing of God. And in verse 14, it says, he came from striking down the Edomites... And he brought the gods of the men of Seir. He, when he enters into that capital, he sees all these new gods. He says, that's interesting. And he takes all these gods of the Edomites that he's just defeated, which means their gods must not have been that strong. He just defeated them, and he takes them back and sets them up as his own gods. That's in verse 14. Now doesn't that seem stupid? I mean, your God just blessed you and gave you the victory and you took the gods of the people who are defeated and you bring them back and worship them in the place of your God. You exchange a victorious God, a mighty God, for a loser. And the prophet comes to him again in verse 15. Therefore the Lord was angry with Amaziah and sent to him a prophet who said to him, Why have you sought the gods of a people who could not deliver their own people from your hand. It just seems weird. Have you ever looked at somebody and looked at the at a, a strange sin or a, 
a turning from the true God and thought, why would they do that? Some time ago, I heard about uh, a man who was in his late 60s. And he left his wife and ran off with a younger woman. And I thought, dude, you've been with your wife 40 years. You're not going to live that much longer. Stick it out. <laughs> why, would they, why would he do that? Sometimes sin just is not logical. And you can't explain why we do it. And I include myself in that because we're all, we've all done things that are just stupid. And we look back and say, why in the world would I do that? There's a verse in 2 Thessalonians 2.7 where Paul refers to, to sin. He's, he calls it the mystery of iniquity. The mystery of it. The mystery. Uh, there's something about sin that just has a strangeness to it that you will never be able to psychoanalyze and figure out. You can only repent of it. You can't explain it. Well, Amaziah takes these gods, sets them up in Jerusalem as his gods, these gods who couldn't defend against him, and turns his back on the God who blessed him. And the prophet said, why on earth would you do that? And notice verse 16. As he was speaking, the king said to him, Have we made you a counselor to the king, a royal counselor? Stop. Quit talking to me. I haven't asked for your opinion. Why should you be struck down? And the prophet stopped with one last statement. He said to the king, I know that God has determined to destroy you because you've done this and not listened to my counsel. One of the signals that means God is done with somebody is when the prophet is no longer sought after. You won't listen. Look at, at verse 20. Amaziah would not listen for it was of God that he might give him into the hand of his enemies because he sought the gods of Edom. The importance of listening to godly counsel. But let me just say, uh, this thing of exchanging gods, this is one of the themes of the Old Testament, especially with the kings uh, that are in the line of David. Uh, Jeremiah puts it like this, in Jeremiah chapter 2, he says, See if there has ever been such a thing. Has a nation changed its gods for that which is no gods? My people have changed their glory for that which is, does not profit. So be appalled, O heavens, at this. Be shocked. Be in dismay, declares the Lord. It's like God turns and says, <clears throat> it's, it's one thing that stymies God. What? 
You have exchanged me, which is your glory, for that which is not a God. And it's like he turns to the angels and he says, Be appalled, O heavens. Look at this. I can't, I can't believe this. It is the one thing in the Bible that, if we can say, shocks God. I put, I put this uh, thing with Madonna up here because she's, a, she's one of these in Hollywood. Her, Demi Moore, Britney Spears... There are others who are followers of Kabbalah, which is a kind of mysticism. It's supposed to ward off evil spirits if you wear these little red strings around your wrist. And if you notice there, she, that's what she's got on her wrist. She's protected by that little red string. Wow. <laughs> That would certainly make me feel secure. And you want to think, what? She was brought up to trust in Jesus Christ. And, and others, like Tom Cruise, has become a Scientology devotee, which rejects the deity of Christ, the substitutionary atonement, the blood sacrifice of Christ, the resurrection. Julia Roberts, the pretty woman, has converted to Hinduism. And Brad Pitt, my man, <laughs> says in the magazine Build, he says, he does not believe in God. He said, I don't think anyone really knows. You'll, you'll find out when you get there, and until then there's no point thinking about it. And I, when I look at these uh, conspicuous personalities and the influence they have. And I think, folks, don't we have a record here in the United States of America? Has America ever lost a war? Have we ever been invaded? Have we ever had people come in and stationed in our cities? When has our God ever let us down? Amen. He has been good to this country. He has blessed this country. Be appalled, O heavens. Why would these people turn to that which are no gods? And can we not just say, that is stupid? In 2006, the United States accepted more legal immigrants as permanent residents than all other countries in the world combined. Uh, in 2008, it was 1,046,539. We accept more in one year than all the countries in the world accept in a year. Why is that? Because God has blessed America. That's exactly why. And people want to be here. And that's not even counting the illegal immigrants. 800,000 estimated illegal immigrants in 2008. 
You can't put the walls high enough. You can't threaten them with a gun that's big enough. You can't put a camera on the borders that's good enough to keep people out of this nation. And the God that we serve and the God that we preach, the God that we worship, is a God who has a record. He's given us victories. He's given us blessings. Why would we turn to to superstitions and atheism and idolatries, characteristic of the pagan nations? It's shocking. There ought to be something that shocks us, and this is shocking. And it ought to shock ourselves. Why on earth would I turn from the God of who is my Heavenly Father to my idols? God, help me and deliver me from every idol. May they all be cast down and thrown in the depths of the sea. I was... Uh, I just checked my email before I came in this morning. And uh, some of you know we, we support... Uh, Brother Terry Simpson, who preached here, I believe it was last year, and uh, he's now in Nepal, and uh, he's preaching in churches over there, and he sent an email, some of you may, may get one as well, and he said, in Nepal, in the area where he was, that he, he spoke in this church, and, and the gospel hasn't been there but a couple of years, but one of the things he said, he, he met three women, I believe he said they were sisters. And they, these three women had demons. They were demon-possessed. And one was mute, one was blind, and one was deaf. And he said that, uh, that the demons would change, their, change around, change bodies. So after a few weeks, the, uh, one of the sisters who was deaf would suddenly be blind, and the one that was blind would be deaf. And these demons would just circle from one sister to the, to the next. There seemed to be a family curse. And they would just change, change bodies with these women. And he said, a missionary went in there about two or three years ago, preached the gospel, and uh, these women began to attend the church, and within six weeks they had been saved, healed, and delivered. And... And he and Terry Simpson said, I was able to talk with them, preach to them, join them in worshiping the risen Lord. And when I read that, I thought, God, are we going back to that? Are we that stupid? You can have all the money in the world and fame and fortune. But if you think a piece of red string can protect you from God and judgment and demons and life, how awful is your darkness? Amaziah experiences something that for the first time, you know what God does? In Second Chronicles 25, he wouldn't listen to the prophet. And for the first time in Second Chronicles 25, it says that the northern tribes came down, attacked Jerusalem and his kingdom, and made a breach in the wall of Jerusalem 600 cubits wide.
worldwide. For the first time, Jerusalem, the sacred place where the temple was, had a breach in it. A hole that the armies, the enemies of God came through. They seized King Amaziah, but made him a puppet king, left him on the throne, but after a few years, a conspiracy was against him and he was assassinated by his own people and came to a sad, sorrowful end. I hope you will join me these next few weeks. We're going to initiate some things to just seek the Lord and seek Him on behalf of our country, seeking Him on behalf of our future, seeking Him on behalf of our children and grandchildren. And an affirmation that I love comes from Exodus 15, verse, verse 2. In the face of all these people who are turning from the true God and going to all these weird cults and superstitions, here's the affirmation of God's true people, Exodus 15, 2. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will praise Him. He is my Father's God. And I will exalt him. Join me in that in these coming weeks. Let's bow together for prayer.